Hi, my name is Stephen Crafty and I'm presenting Talking Design and I'm very excited today because I've got my one of my few overseas guests, that, um, Peito Paez, who's um, with the Commission Project in New York. So welcome to the program. Thank you, Stephen. Pato, it was lovely you reached out to me because I didn't know anything about what you did or what you do, but it's an area that I think is very interesting. It's, for those who don't know about the Commission Project, it's actually bringing art and architecture together, but in a different way. It's a very interesting area. You put it down to applied neuroaesthetics, which yeah. is a which is a term I haven't heard of before. So tell me a little bit about your background, Peter. You're a scientist, I believe. So I studied medicine in, in my native Argentina, and I never practiced it. But at heart, I'm a scientist. Uh, you know, I, I look at data all, all the time, trying to, you know, figure out what things are. Um, and in my work, um, I consider myself... Uh, an art consultant who works with architects. But the way I work is different from other art consultants because I try to look at the data of how um, humans perceive artwork. Um, and for this, I use uh, a lot of the principles of uh, visual perception and how humans perceive uh, the world through our eyes. As you know, 80% of what we perceive, we do it through our eyes. Um, and also neuroaesthetics, which is um, the empirical approach to understanding the aesthetic experience at large. So how did you get involved with the commission project? Did you see their work or did you introduce that component of art? Because you work with the founder, Michael Souter. And, right. um, and, you know, one of his mottos on his website is uh, logos are admired, websites are uh, uh, imitated, but art is appreciated. So what did you bring to the commission project and how did you find, it, find Michael to start with? So Michael and I have been friends for many, many years. Michael um, worked for over 30 years in, in the branding world. Um, and he appreciates art. He's, he has his own studio and um, uh, creates his art. Um, and a very interesting guy. And I, you know, we became connected, can't remember how, through an, an art friend um, many years ago. And, uh, you know, always very interesting conversations, conversations with Michael until we decided to do a project together and we started it out as an online art gallery because we liked looking at art and we liked looking at art from emerging artists. As we say, you know, we still do, we, we love to find the hidden gem um, so out there in the world. Pedro, what was the first project? It was an art gallery. Uh, that we started together uh, with a third partner and then we added two other partners. In the end, the, um, there were a lot of disagreements between the partners on how to run the gallery. So Michael and I um, uh, took a step back and, uh, and took a part of that, uh, a project of that gallery that was beginning to develop, which is the commission project. 
And so, you know, we've been doing this for years now. Um, I'd explain it in a way, we meet with the architects, we try to truly understand what the space is going to be like as, you know, as an architect, you know that architectural spaces are emotional continuums uh, and uh, people feel emotions as they move through the space. So what is the best art that is going to add to that story that you're telling with the space? And it could be, it could be, Pedro, it could be an apartment building, a lobby, it could be uh, a commercial building. It could be anything, really. It could be anything, really. What our specialty is commercial spaces, large spaces, where uh, we try, as I said, truly understand who the user of that space is going to be and try to understand the data of how that user will potentially perceive the space and the art in it. And based, you know, based on that information, we come up with ideas and concepts within that architectural concept and hire artists to create site-specific and bespoke works of art for, you know, for the space. So what type of art, it's, it's such a broad area, and art could be, you know, performance art, it could be a series of dances, it could be, as uh, you've done before, this uh, mirage almost of a cloud or an explosion in, in a space. So how does the conversation begin? Does the architect say, look, this is what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, want, I'm appealing to a younger demographic and I want them to be, uh, you know, I'm looking for a certain feel for the building. I mean, how does it work and, and how do you know which is the right artist that's going to suit the architect? Sure, that, that's part of it. Uh, you know, understanding who the user is going to be, it's, it's paramount. Um, but we also look at what the brand of the space is going to be. What, who's going to occupy that space? What, you know, what kind of, what kind of brand is, is going to be in that space? And it varies depending on what, you know, uh, depending on what the, the field that that brand is in. Um, and those are sort of like the two elements that we, we, take in the beginning to try and understand what the story is going to be. So give me an example, Pato. You yes. know, I come along, I've got, uh, could be, I look at an apartment building, for instance, because I find that's an interesting one because I'm, I'm seeing the more integration in art, particularly in areas like apartment buildings and even commercial buildings, because there's not the room on the street, obviously, and particularly in places like New York, to actually, uh, you have to kind of, engage you, you basically putting art into integrating it into the structure so tell me about some of the the projects that you have been so left of center that people have said oh my god so a, a really interesting project that we're working on now is um so this is a building here in the in the u.s that has a huge dome in that lobby uh and it's it's in detroit we can't add any visuals to that lobby. Um, Why not? Be because the, the building can only be uh, um, cleaned up and restored. So it's a heritage project, more or less. It's a heritage project. So nothing new can come in um, into that building. And so how do you engage 
uh, you know, the potential users visually without bringing any permanent visuals into the space. Uh, and we have, you know, uh, different ideas that we've, that we've proposed to it. And, you know, they're all really interesting and they're all really interested in all of these ideas. And perhaps, you know, I hope that all of them will, will. Can you, uh, can you give me one idea that's kind of. Yeah. So, uh, you know, performance art in the lobby of the space, because it's, it's humongous and, and it's going to be mostly retail, this space. So performance art, um, also an idea of hanging a sculptural speaker inside the, the, the dome and create a sculpture outside, it's by, the, by uh, Lake Michigan, create a sculpture outside that will move with the wind and that movement from that sculpture will be picked up and translated into sounds inside the building. So if that's one idea for that for the for the speaker. Another one is Detroit is very rich in history. So create these pieces that are sound pieces of um, you know the the history of Motown or techno or the riots of 1968 and the story that that, um, that Detroit has you know recreated into sound pieces. Um, and so what's interesting about this project is that probably 95% of the, the, the works that we do are visual. And in this one, you know, it's a combination of, you know, visual and, and audio. Yeah. Right. What, what's something that you're working on closer to home that you're excited about at, uh, in Spain, New York? Cause I love New York. I've, uh, with this, this project, this is a project that we're working and we've been working on for a couple of months that it's close to my heart. I really, really love it. It happened during the, the uh, Black Lives Matter um, protests here in New York where there was looting and the storefronts were boarded up. And when these boards went up, artists, and, and, and I believe that Art is a, a, a way of coping. The person who makes art is coping. Um, and B, it's a record keeper of history. So a lot of works went up on these boards. And so, you know, walking around, uh, we thought, I mean, gee, these, these boards are going to go to, to the garbage, basically, when, when this ends, it, it will be... A, um, it would be great to do something with it. So we teamed up with um, uh, an architectural firm in New York and created Reply, which they is, sorry. They... it's called Reply. Reply, the architectural firm. All these boards were picked up. All these boards with art were picked up. The artists were identified. And at the same time, stores in New York couldn't host people indoors, so they needed outdoor sitting. This is in the summer here in New York in June, um, and they needed outdoor sitting. So how great would it be if we could provide that outdoor sitting at uh, not a huge cost and recycle these boards and, and keep this art as a piece of history? And this is how Reply was born. So these boards were, um, there was a, um, 
you know, piles and piles of these boards were turned into sitting and tables and, you know, there were tall boys and dividers between tables. And these were, you know, sort of uh, sourced by, by uh, businesses that needed outdoor sitting. So it's, they've all almost become, Petro, almost like temporary installations, or will you kind of use them later on for another project? Well, it's a temporary installation. We, you know, there, there's a bunch of work that's still there, and it's, and it's a project that we keep pushing because now, you know, something else is happening in the world. And, you know, so how great it's going to be when we invite these artists to create these you know works on more boards and these boards would be turned into other pieces of furniture um and you know we keep pushing this project as i said the most important thing about this project is that it's it's a record keeper mm-hmm. i was going to ask you Pedro, you must work with some of the great artists not just in america but worldwide so who are the, some of the artists you work with and do you kind of have a certain project in mind? Do you have a certain artist in mind for each project or is it just a matter of putting it out there and then they come back to you with uh, their ideas and then you select the best? Yeah, so the, my soft spot is emerging artists. So I'm always looking at, at new artists. I'm always keeping, you know, I have a, a ton of, um, of new names and websites that I go to. And uh, these are the people that I kind of think of when, when we have a new project. Um, I try to shine the spotlight on people who are not otherwise, um, you know, highlighted. Uh, and so you know, I always go, rather than working with a well-known artist, I'd rather work with an emerging artist and give them the opportunity to, you know, to step up. When do you see that? How do you know that? When do you discover that 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 uh, glimmer? You go, oh, you know, this is this person really needs the direction, the support that you perhaps can offer. How, what do you see that perhaps other people don't see? And how does your training in science and medicine direct you? So I'd say there, there are very few superstars in the art world, right? And we all know them. So, you know, I think everybody else, um, when we talk about needing help, um, I think what we try to do is present a phenomenal opportunity for the artists, and not only because they need help, but because we believe in the work that they do. And, Peter, how does, in terms of the architecture, you know, you've also worked with a lot of, uh, you know, great American architects, great designers. Does there become quite a conflict when, I mean, I know architects can be a little bit precious and, you know, maybe they just want pristine white walls and a concrete floor. How do you kind of mediate between architect and artist to make sure both come out smiling? So... This is what I love about, about my work. When the, arch, the architect will give us a direction, the architect will, will show us, you know, if you know, all of the, all of the uh, uh, inspiration that they used, any of the drawings that they have, and if there's anything built, I'll go and look at it myself. Um, and so we have these boundaries that we need to work within. And so we, when we approach the artist, we say, listen, this is a project that has this, you know, this is the box and you got to work within this box. 
And I think there's something very liberating about that because if the, you know, if you can use blue, then you gotta think of another color to use. You know? the, so, the artist, yes. So it, it generally is not, it's not all that difficult to get them to, to agree because um, the, when we, the first thing I say to an artist when we approach is, you know, their boundaries. And, you know, these are the boundaries that you're going to have to work with them. And if you can, then you probably this isn't the right fit. Um, but for the most part, the artists that we've worked with have been thrilled um, about these, you know, this, this kind of box that they need to think within. Um, Pedro, how do you know when an art project is successful, one is really successful, and another one is just, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, you could have things like fluorescent lights in pink, and you, you know, that could be a really interesting idea, you know, and change the feel of a foyer. But, you know, some people might say, oh, it kind of just gives me a headache when I walk through it. How do you know when something is really magical? What is that factor? So I try, you know, I and Michael, uh, Michael is incredibly meticulous about everything he does. Uh, you know, we try that every, that every project that we do ends up being magical. Of course, that's, that's not always the case. But I think, um, I, I think of all the projects that we've done, um, I'm proud of each and every one of them. You know, I, of course I see, of, of course when I see a project, I see the, uh, the, the mistakes that happened. Uh, but in the end, uh, it's, it's part of the history of that work. It's part of the story we're telling. You know, the, the fact that it had to be moved, you know, 16 feet to the right because there was something that we didn't think about. Um, you know, it's part of the, the history of how that work was made. Um, are you trying to, Pedro, tell the story of the, the architecture through the artwork or you keep them separate and the two should just have a dialogue and, or they mightn't have a dialogue? Well, the di it's a dialogue, yes, and it needs to agree. The, 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 the main, um, I'd say the, the central point of this is the, the space. And the artwork lives within that space. So there is a dialogue between the two. However, the, the story is being told by, primarily by the, by the space. I was going to say, Pedro, uh, I looked at your, the website and you've got some very adventurous uh, projects on there, uh, including, you know, drag queens who perform. <laughs> I thought that was quite delightful. Have you ever pushed people over the edge or, you know, kind of mis miscalculated the audience where people have come in and said, no, I just, I can't, I, I don't want, I don't want to see that, you know, Sure, that's my specialty. You know, what, what, the architect is never, it's never the problem. I, we work with architects so well, really, really well. The developer is a different story because generally the developer is not, an, it's not a creative mind or not, a, you know, uh, not the kind of creatives that we are, you know, architects and, and us. And Right, we, we understand really well because we have that sort of, you know, creative mind. Uh, developers need, you know, I need to open my, 
my hotel in March and I need art on the walls and it's December. So get to work and, you know, and. And they're not that discerning. They're not. And, 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 and sometimes they are, they, their editing is too much. And the, and, and, and that's probably good examples of work that could have been phenomenal. That is, you know, just okay. And one of the things that I always fight um, with people is you've been to hotels where uh, you see that the art is disconnected with the story that the, the space is telling. And that's because the art was a second thought. It was phase two and it was at the end when they ran out of money. And that's because the developer didn't understand the importance of it um, within that space. Um, Pedro, at what point do you tend to get involved in a project uh, you and Michael, is it kind of the before anything happens, a bit like, or do you kind of often just get pulled in as an afterthought? And then, as you said, the story doesn't really go with the architecture and it kind of, it's a mishmash and it's confusing and people kind of walk out just with raised eyebrows rather than engaging. So what point do you, you obviously prefer to come in at the beginning, but is that the normal procedure? For, for the most part, I, you know, the architects that we work with, they understand that the earlier that we become involved, uh, you know, the m more we can be a part of that conversation. And as I always say to architects, don't bring us in as part of the art budget because then we'll be, at the end, bring us in as part of the construction budget because it's construction. You know, they, the, the developer will be um, more open to anything we pitch within that, you know, that budget or that, you know, that phase of the, of the, of the project than if it's at the end. Look, some, um, Peter, some ideas are fairly, might read quite well on a plan or a, a, a conversation, but there are other ideas that I imagine you have with architects and creatives who are obviously, they're designing the building. They don't get it. And, you know, you, art isn't as easy to explain as say bringing furniture into a lobby um, mm. from a designer showroom. So how do you make it easier for people to kind of read the intention so they're kind of not surprised when it finally lands and they go, what's that? Sure, when, when we, uh, nothing of what we do is, we, we, don't, we don't just create the work and go and put it up, there is, uh, a lot of communication with the art, with the architect first, and a lot of communication between us, the architect and the artist first. When we have the story, when we have the uh, uh, an exact explanation of how this story fits within the space, within you know, with the brand, uh, then we present it. And it's a lot easier to for a developer to understand you know, this, this, this story when it makes sense within the context. What gives you the most pleasure with the work that you're doing? Because it is so diverse. I mean, you can have installations, you can have performance art, yeah. you can have sculpture, you can have, you know, traditional art. But what, what gives you the most pleasure? Is it just the, the idea to start with, that curve? Sure. The part that what I love most is seeing it at the end is walking in and being wild by it. That, that's, that's, the, that's the best feeling about my work. And I love talking about the work that we do the way I'm doing now. The part that I don't like is project management. 
I am miserable. If I have to act as a project manager in any of these, of these projects, I'm miserable because I'm not an organized person. So, you know, I've done things like, you know, hire an artist and not think about getting them a visa because they weren't American, American citizens and, you know, jump through the hoops at that, you know, um, sort of issue created. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm just not that organized a person to, you know, to, to make something happen, you know, step by step from A to Z. But I, I do like have, the ideas. I like the idea. I like, I like creating the concept and I like seeing that concept, which many times is much better than I envisioned it. And what happens? It's not as good. Peter, <laughs> uh, what happens on the, other, on the other extreme where you have this something in your mind, uh, the architects have something in their mind and artists are by nature very creative, very free spirited. Um, and then it arrives and it's not really what you expected. What, I mean, you can't just say to the artist, it's not right. So how do you deal with those? And it must happen. You do it. Yes, it happens. You do it. And, you know, we, as I said, we don't, it, the, the process is very involved. So, you know, we want just to approve the sketches of something and then see it when it's, when it's ready to be installed. We will yeah, follow it. Yes, we will follow it. We have a, a, an excellent project manager who will go to, to the studio and make sure that the things will beat the standard that, you know, that we want and that, you know, they meet the, um, or they agree with the drawings that we, that we made. And yes, I, you know, I've, there was this one, I remember this huge mural that uh, like a superstar of the street art world here in New York, you can uh, mention a name. Um, yeah, I can, well. If you don't um, want to. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I can't mention a lot about that project, yeah. an NDA, but, you know, it's, it's one of the big guys who, uh, you know, of course is, is very, um, uh, the way he works is he just goes and does the work and, you know, and there it is. Um, meanwhile, my client wants to, there are about 15 decision makers and they all want to approve a sketch. So, you know, I think we had about 20 sketches of this mural and until we got the approval. And when I go see it, you know, the, the one piece that was supposed to be two feet in is, you know, right on the edge and it's just going to throw everything off and it's going to look beautiful, but not, you know, sketch beautiful. It's not going to be exact as uh, exactly as the, the approved sketch and we had to redo it. And, you know, and unfortunately that, that happens when, you know, when artists, um, you know, would have to redo something because it's not, it's not uh, uh, the, the way we envision it, the, the way we approved it. Um, Pedro, why is it, and it, look, it is changing, but why is art and architecture treated so independently when they really, the, they say kind of work together. I mean, I can't see, you know, art in architecture to me is kind of almost the one word, but why is it that people resist seeing it at the same thing? I mean, well, it's not the same thing, but in a sense, they, yeah. kind of, they work off each other. There's, there's a lot, I think in architecture, there's a lot more um, uh, technical information that needs to happen. Um, than in art, but in terms of creativity, yes, both visual, you know, I think art, uh, 
the work that architects make are, you know, just gigantic sculptures. Um, but, you know, one of the things that really, that's, that's been basically my entire career, I've been, I've been working on this. I feel that there is a, you know, there's, there's a, we were talking about neuroaesthetics earlier, uh, and I want to bring it up because you just made the connection between art and architecture, and I think that all the, uh, all the arts are connected in a way, and, you know, they're connect, connected through aesthetics. Uh, and that's what neuroaesthetics does. It finds the connection and finds the data of how we perceive it. Um, but unfortunately, all the, the research that's being done in neuroaesthetics at the moment is sort of locked in within the academic community. And that research, if it was accessible, because, you know, let's face it, academic writing is not, is not at all accessible. If that research was accessible to professionals in the field, um, you know, the way I look at that research and I use that research in my work, many, many of us could, could do that. And so, um, you know, I've, I've been, you know, saying this for years and now that, um, you know, we, we kind of slowed down for, uh, for a couple of months, um, we created, it's called Applied Neuroaesthetics, which is what you asked in the beginning, um, which is a website that will bring them together, that will bridge that gap between the sciences and the, and the humanities, that will bridge that gap between the research in aesthetics and the, the workers in the field of aesthetics and, and, and creativity. Um, you know, as a means of, you know, feeding off each other, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the architects will, and, or artists will learn, uh, you know, this data that's being, that's being collected and the, and the researchers will understand what the real questions that we have are, and that will trigger more research. So, so yeah, so, you know, we've been, we've been, we have an entire program of webinars for next year with, oh, um, with, you know, I mean, everything. We have researchers in aesthetics, we have philosophers in aesthetics, we have, uh, you know, uh, uh, neuroscientists who uh, researches architecture and, um, and, you know, kind of teaming up uh, these researchers with, you know, actual uh, people in the field. Um, look, unfortunately, we're running out of time, Peter. I wish we could, I wish we could actually visit and see everything that you're working on. But uh, for people who are interested, they can actually see uh, some of your work on uh, your website, the Commission Project, and see some of the, the, it's so broad and it's so engaging. And I just saw those images and I'm, I said to myself, I'm so glad that Pato reached out. So, look, thank you so much for being on the program. Stephen, thank you so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed chatting with you. You've been listening to Stephen Crafty. Talking Design is produced by RMIT University and brought to you in partnership with Melbourne City Council.